and welcome to the Big Happy Life podcast. My guest today is Louise Simpson, a professional organizer and coach, co-author of Amazon best-selling book, Ready to Rise. She's featured on Radio 4 and BBC Radio Essex, and she's joining us today to share some of the tips that she shares with her clients about making the space around them work for them, making it so that there's an ease and a spaciousness and a sense of pleasure that comes from being in your space. We talk about how you actually do that and also talk about the links between your environment and your mental health. Here's our conversation. So there's a really lovely quote by um, a chap called John Randolph Price, and it says, the, our outer world of form and experience is a reflection of our inner thoughts and feelings. And for me, that's what a lot about our home represents. You know, when we've got a lot going on in our life, we're under stress, things tend to build up, they tend to get out of control. And I've been through that. I've been through quite a few turbulent things in life over the past few years since leaving my corporate career. And what I found is that people would say, but, oh, I'd never have known because you just managed to sort of keep everything going. And for me, a lot of that was that I had things in place already that made life a little bit easier. And, you know, the organizing side is really about helping your future self Mm. to help life become a little bit easier. You know, I think just even if you just think, you know, on a really simplistic term of getting your wardrobe organized, actually that when you get up, the start of your day, if you can easily access your clothes and choose the things that you want and just get ready, just makes life a little bit easier. You know, you don't start your day with, oh my goodness, that's all fallen to the floor. And kind of, you know, before you even go down for breakfast, you're in a bit of a bad mood and then everything just adds to it. So mm. it's doing little things that actually just, you know, help life flow a bit more that they, you shouldn't really notice them. It should just be something that is easy and flows and helps you just get on with your day and deal with that forever growing to-do list and, you know, demands from children and other people in your life. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting because the the three goals of this podcast are to help people feel in control, to give you tools to weather the tough stuff and to make sure that we are great role models for our kids. And the kinds of things you talk about, I think, fit into all three of those because that sense of feeling in control is very difficult to come by if everything around you is in chaos. It's sort of a, it's a visual reminder, isn't it? Yeah, there's actually a phrase that um, I use quite often with clients to try and explain it. Uh, and it's, it's one that, you know, it's a kind of proper term as such called visual noise. And it's about actually in the same way that, you know, if you walk into your home and somebody's got the radio playing in one room, the TV's on in another, there's children playing with a you know noisy toy in another, you kind of walk in and your ears go, oh my goodness, you know, what on earth's going on in here? You know, having too many things in your home or your home being disorganized, and, you know, let me be clear here, I'm not talking about having like a minimalist house that has nothing in it and is very sterile. You know, family homes have things in them organized in a way that supports your life you know if you walk in and you know even from I I do an exercise with clients where we we kind of talk through their home but if you pull up to your front door or walk into a room 
and you're literally hit with you know boxes falling off the shelf and things piled up here in the same way that you get that actual noise it's like a visual noise to your brain you know your brain is having to work out what these things are do you need to do anything with them do you need to move around them you know um and this affects you know everything to do with your focus your concentration your energy levels and you know when I talk about energy it's always about the mental and the physical you know it's it's using parts of your brain and that energy that could be spent on doing things that are on your to-do list or coping with life and building your resilience Mm. um and in the same way that that visual noise you know when I talk with clients and, and they'll say oh the room of doom upstairs you know the spare room and you'll notice you know, the voice will change, their shoulders will tense up. It's almost like, you know, you can see them quite often the hands will move to their stomach. So you can, you know, that that physical effect of stress on us, you know, when we're in a state of stress, our digestive system doesn't work properly. And all these things that actually that, you know, this visual noise has all these impacts on our life that actually by getting it organized, we can help reduce and turn down the volume. So it's not about as I say, turning, like getting rid of that noise at all, like completely, but just turning the volume knob down so that actually it just helps you in your life. And that volume level will be different for different people. Mm. So would you say, I mean, one of the things that I very often do if I've got something really daunting to deal with is I'll tidy my office first. And I've always called that procrastination, but you know, listening to you talk, a part of me thinks maybe on some instinctive level, I know that to give myself the focus that's required for something big, I need my peripheral vision to be clear of, you know, piles of papers that I'm meaning to file or books that I'm halfway through and that I've switched on to something else. Um, Almost because those are sort of visual reminders of all the things I didn't complete. And now I'm about to do something that's going to take a lot from me if I am going to complete it. So am I procrastinating or am I instinctively doing something that's a legitimate and required part of a big task that requires a lot of focus? So the answer is it could be both. (laughs) And this is where it comes back down to you know, not trying to just fit a model and say, well, this is the way that you have to do it. In the same way with productivity, you'll get some people saying you shouldn't work for more than 45 minutes or some people saying, you know, two hour blocks. It's really about what works for you and it's understanding. So when you do that, do you find then you go off on a tangent and you don't actually get that task done? So the bigger task that you are aiming to do all by doing that, does that enable you to do it? So if you're actually, you know, tidying your office space for say half an hour, but then you do go on and do that task and and get it completed, I would say then that is helping you. If you find that you go off and do that and then you think, oh, well, actually I'm going to go and I really need to wipe down the oven now. And like, oh, that bin, like I was going to put it out this morning, but I really must do it now. If you then find yourself sort of falling into doing other things and just delaying it, then that's when the procrastination is clicking in. 
it's about finding what works for you and trying different things. You know, you'll read something online or listen to a podcast and somebody will say, absolutely, no, you shouldn't do that. You should, you know, your time should be chunked out in your diary and you should only do this at these times. But that doesn't work for everybody. We know that, you know, we're all individuals. So it's really about, you know, listening and and researching different options and finding then what works for you rather than trying to be something else. And I think, you know, the, the two words that I always find with clients that come up is I should be able to do this because I read this book or I went online and it said, this is what you do, but I don't seem to be able to do it. Or, you know, Sarah manages to do it. She's got the perfect life. You know, you look at her home, it's so organized. She's got a full-time job and three children and I've only got two children. You know, the whole should and perfection we bring up as a, kind of way to judge ourselves that we're doing something wrong mm. but actually if it works for you then why not yeah yeah and it's it's really interesting because I would bet in that example you go talk to Sarah and there are other parts that have to compensate for that feeling of like this is what I show the world but we all have those things that somewhere we, we, we can do anything but we can't do everything and I think we sometimes perceive people when things look on the outside like it's all together, we perceive them as being able to do everything. But what they've done is selected different things from us to prioritize. And so the results that we see look different to the results that we have in our lives. Um, so I guess it's just then about going, well, if you want things to look and feel like that, something else has to give. And so it's about figuring, figuring that out. So what would you say then, let's say people are listening to this and they're like, do you know what? That's, that is what I want. I want to be in, I want to feel in control of my space. I want to look around and know that things are organized and things, it's easy. You know, you look around and it feels easy. Yeah. But I've got two kids and I can spend half my life chasing them around to get them to pack away stuff, which means I'm going to spend half my day fighting. Um, my husband, you know, leaves towels on the floor, blah, blah, blah. That's not my husband, by the way. He doesn't do that. Um, <laughs> but, you know, it, it, if people are saying that and it's like, you know, I live in the house with three other people or four other people and they don't value this stuff. So like, my mental health is taking a hit all the time because I'm surrounded by stuff everywhere yeah. and there's nothing I can do about it. What happens if a client like that comes to you? Quite often people say, but my children just won't put anything away. But actually taking time to understand why they aren't putting it away. So I've worked with people that have said that. Um, but the mum is, you know, where things have been put in the children's playroom or in their bedroom is put where the adults can put things away. It's at a, at a higher height. So it's thinking about things like making, you know, getting everybody involved. So from a child's perspective, making it accessible for them so actually if it's a young child putting it at a lower height and really thinking like a nursery or a preschool if you go into you know a nursery or preschool things are at the children's height they've got all the puzzles together so putting things into categories and keeping like with like and things are labeled or it's clear you know children can see through either glass glass bits or open cupboards of what's there and it's really about taking that step back and going, okay, so they're not doing this, but is there a reason why? And can I do something to try and make it easier? So I've worked in children's playrooms in family homes 
where we've literally taken everything out and gone, okay, so the older child's going to have their stuff a bit higher up. The younger child's going to have their stuff lower down. And that will stop the arguments that the mum was saying, oh, the two children are constantly fighting. The older one doesn't want the younger one playing with their toys. Then they don't put anything away. I walk in there and it's like a bomb's gone off. And then at midnight, I'm kind of going around trying to tidy it all up. And it's really about take a step back and understanding why it's not working now and is there something that you can do. And then it's the reinforcement of actually, look, you know, we're going to change the room so it's easier. Get them involved. Children love kind of, you know, they're they're kind of natural declutterers. If you just leave them to it, they'll be like, oh, no, I don't play with that anymore. I don't want that. Like that can go. And you'll quite often find it will be us as parents going, oh, teddy bear was something your gran gave you when you were a baby like are you sure you don't want to keep that one and the children are like no I don't like it anymore it could go um yeah so really kind of looking at that motivation of how you can change it so that it works better and then reinforcing it with you know I expect you to put this away in the same way that you do at school or at nursery depending on their age um but quite often what I found is once we've done that you know, the children come in and I've had parents say to me, oh, the children were like, oh, whose playroom is this? It's like a new room. And actually that excitement of this is my space, you know, giving them their own space that they feel is theirs rather than having to ask you to get the puzzle down from the top shelf or having to ask you, well, where is this? I can't find it. So it's all about, you know, like I talked earlier about how can your future self, if your children can go into their playroom and they can find stuff, it's at a height where they can get it out and put it away easily, then that's helping you. You're not having them come to, you know, you're not having to go in there and actually do that. You're not having them ask you and it's saving you having to put it away at the end. The kind of reinforcement side. And the same way with the towels, you know, actually, is there enough room to put them? Sometimes it is just pure kind of, you know, laziness in the sense of, oh, I just fling it there. But actually, sometimes it could be that they're just, it, it's too difficult you know we we do things like buy really lovely you know shoe cupboards or things like that with a little lid and a drawer that you pull out and you know when we come in through the door especially with children they don't want to have to lift a lid and then pull a drawer out they just want to sling it on the floor so it's about finding those kind of storage organization solutions that actually are simple to use as well that mm. just it's just there rather than make, you know making it too complicated and quite often that will help but equally kind of talking to the family and saying do you know what I'm really struggling like I really need you to help me a bit more and being honest and actually saying look you know as a team you know we're a family we're a team let's work together and I really need you to help by doing whatever it is mm. but let you know is there anything I can do to help that help you do that yeah we use that language in our house, actually, and it's made a big difference. We talk about being a team. Um, yeah. And and it's interesting, actually, we have got, um, you know, those Ikea crates that come with the, the white cube shelves? The colour. Uh, yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. So we've just got the crates, not the shelving anymore. And we've got them under the stairs. So literally all they have to do is open the cupboard and then sling their shoes into their crates. So yeah. it's it's all open. And the ease of getting them to put their shoes away now far outweighs the previous setup where we had a shoe cupboard. So it's really interesting you say that. I hadn't actually made the connection until you said that about 
the, um, the ease of the solutions. But the other thing that was really interesting about what you said is something that I've noticed for myself, but I've never really thought about with kids. And it's a bit like what I was saying to you before about the office, that I think somehow we feel different about who we are and the pride we hold in our things when they're organized. So the kind of feedback you get from the environment of, oh God, I'm so messy and all of this stuff looks like trash. Um, it doesn't encourage you to care for it. So I was looking on your website at the, you know, the before and after pictures of the playroom. Yeah. And that was very reminiscent of our playroom. Um, <laughs> now the kids' stuff is in each of their rooms, but even then it's still, it's touch and go. But that playroom looked exactly like our playroom where there was just stuff piled on top of stuff and things shoved. Um, And I hadn't really thought about the way it feeds back to them about what's important, what's required, who they are, what habits we embed. Because I kind of, to be honest with you, I made the assumption that I wouldn't be able to get them to do it. So I didn't do it either. Because I just thought, you know what, this is the battle I don't want to fight. And so we just used those Kalex shelves. We had a few little crates and we would shove stuff wherever it fit. And And I did the same. Yeah. Yeah. So a lot of people say, oh, but it's just in that room and we just close the door and nobody goes in there. But you're still thinking about it. You still know that it's there and it's still like a, you know, an annoying little person on your shoulder going, yeah, you can shut the door, but you know what's behind there. And then when people come around, you're like, oh, uh, Make sure nobody goes, like, they don't go in there. Don't open that door. Or I've got an electrician coming. Like, shut the door to the playroom. Like, you know, yeah. heaven forbid that somebody see in there. But I think, you know, it is about really that side of things of, it's kind of linked to consumerism as well. You know, the more that you've got, then you just think, oh, well, it doesn't matter if that gets broken. Mm-hmm. You know, we'll just, mum will replace that or I'll get a new one or I'll just leave that there it doesn't matter I'll go and play with this instead and actually if you go through your things and keep the things that you really want and this is one thing I always talk about with people is around you know you'll hear kind of around getting rid of things I don't try to use that terminology it's about what are the things that you want to keep so we focus on what is it that you want to keep because by that process you'll get rid of the things that you don't want anyway mm-hmm. so it's using that positive mindset because actually when you're in that kind of frame of mind of oh yes oh I really like that you know it could be clothes or it could be with the children of oh that game's our favorite like I really love mummy when we play that on a Saturday night and we all do that together and that's our time together whereas they might say oh no I don't you know that game can go but actually I really want to keep this one so it's reinforcing that positive um, mm. side of things and keeping the things that do you do use or make you happy and kind of add something to your life rather than just keeping it for keeping sake. And quite yeah. often we keep things because it was given as a present or it was expensive and we spent money on it. So, you know, we should keep that because even though they don't play with it anymore, that costs a lot of money, but the money's been and gone, you know, so let it go, sell it if that's, the case or pass it on through a charity source and help somebody else but you know by keeping that you're just building more stuff in your life that you don't actually use and you know back to your point that actually if you've got less stuff there but it's the things that you really value you will take care of it you will put it away you 
won't want it to get broken or just be left on the floor piled on top of each other because it's the things in your life that you actually value and want rather than just things yeah yeah and that when we have done that it, it makes a big difference psychologically and space-wise because it's easier to pack away when you've got two things going yeah. onto a shelf rather than 10 so yeah. that's a lot um the other thing that I was thinking about while you were talking was this idea of the fact that when you see things in in your space that your brain has to sort of organize it because this is something I've been talking about in in my corporate work for a long time is all the the information that our brains are taking in at any given time versus what we consciously become aware of and that basically our brains kind of gatekeep so that we can figure out what we need to filter in and pay attention to but I think perhaps with you know, clutter and mess and even stuff like, you know, I walked down the stairs yesterday and there's little bits of sock fluff on the carpet. And I was like, oh, I need to do something about that. Hmm. And then I keep walking, but in that moment, a little bit of mental energy went on the sock fluff. And to be honest with you, that was day five of walking past the sock fluff and day five of every time up and down the stairs going, oh God. and I could have dealt with it. And that would have been a little bit of mental energy that I wouldn't have had to expend every single time I went up and down the stairs. Yeah. Um, and each time that builds, because you think, oh, goodness sake, that was there yesterday. And then <laughs> it kind of, you know, the level of emotion and energy that you're spending on that as well builds because it's not just the, it's there, but it's actually, I've been past that for five days and I still haven't done anything. And for goodness sake, like, why doesn't anything ever get done? And all of those things yeah. that start to build up that as you say kind of if a it wasn't there or you dealt with it it's just it's you know that energy could be spent on so many other things you know dealing with homeschooling and having the energy to deal with you know all the questions from the children or they're helping them with their emotions you know dealing with the big stuff rather than allowing your energy to be zapped by these things that really shouldn't be taking your energy away definitely and it's also it's the identity piece, I think, that we overlook. You know, it's only sock fluff on the floor. Yeah. But by day five, I'm the person who leaves stuff. And so when it comes to the big things, you know, trying to get a business off the ground and uh, the podcast and the blog and the group coaching and the this and the that, yeah. but I'm the person who leaves sock fluff on the floor. Like yeah. That person doesn't get stuff done. Yeah. Um, so I think there's... There's a lot in this. You know, we can talk about it being about decluttering and um, as if that's the thing. But actually what you do is is so much more than that because you end up kind of freeing people from their mental stories and the patterns that I think we all build up in our lives and then we come to believe and then we play those patterns out in other areas and it, it sort of holds us back really. Yeah, I mean, so often when I start working with somebody, they'll say, I don't really think you can help me. I'm beyond help, really, but it's just a last-ditch effort that somebody, you know, might be. But I'm not an organised person, and I've never really been very good at doing this. And, you know, my mum used to tell me this, and so all these old beliefs come out as well. And, you know, that, that you know, it is, you know, <laughs> that negative Nelly on your kind of shoulder of, you know, well, you're never going to do that anyway, or, you know, people like us and, you know, um, 
you do learn from you know the, that stuff that's stored inside you and actually you know I say to clients sometimes that I can I know that I can help you I know that we can make this easier for you so actually for me it's you know when I work with people it's not about me just coming in and waving a magic wand and going Ta-da! there's your new home you know off you go because there is this whole piece around you know the belief that they can do that that they can have an organized home that you know they can get their partner or their children involved as well as the actual practical side of things of you know looking at how things are organized looking at what they're keeping and then storing it in the best way that's the kind of practical side but you know I often talk about there's this that it's the whole kind of mindset as well as the practical support because it's about giving them those skills and that that learning the belief in themselves that they can actually do it is often one of the biggest steps yeah and that that I suppose is necessary for carrying it forward because otherwise it's a bit like yeah we do it while you're here and then we come back to well I'm just not that person so it falls away well if you think about it in the same way as, as a personal trainer you know you know we can all read up on exercises and get ourselves fit but actually some people just need somebody there to give them that motivation and support the accountability but actually you still as part of that process learn how to do that exercise so actually you can go off and do it on your own they don't just get you to do things that you couldn't possibly do kind of with without them yeah um and so it is about kind of learning those, those skills because if I just come in and just do it for you, then you're going to need somebody to keep coming back and doing it for you. And then you're still going to end up in that same cycle that, you know, you build your overwhelmed builds, you start, you know, the stress builds, you start shouting at the other people in the house because they don't do it either. And then there's, you know, all of this going on. Whereas if you can get the support that you need, make the changes that will help, but then actually, you know, you've got some help and knowledge to then go, oh, actually, I could see how that might work over there. Or, uh, yeah, I could do that when I go to the office. I'm going to change that around and make that a little bit easier. You know, so it, it's all about giving you then the skills to sort of make changes. But then you know that that support's there if you need it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so there are a couple of other questions that... I want to make sure I ask you because I'm conscious that we're going to <laughs> potentially run out of time. Um, the first is um, some of the work that I do is with adoptive parents. And so we look at um, kind of therapeutic parenting. Often a lot of parents have children who struggle with um, difficulty processing information that comes through the senses. So they can be quite easily overwhelmed or there'll be tic- particular senses that they um work with more than others or or feel they can't work with um how would what kinds of tips would you give a parent whose child may struggle with kind of sensory overload um what kinds of things could they do with their environment that would help yeah so i think again sort of back to what i was saying earlier it would really depend on on the individual circumstances we'd kind of look at okay so what is it that they find easier what is it that they struggle with but really it's about making the space kind of work to play to their strengths rather than the things that they struggle with 
So as an example, it could be around making things more visual. So it could be, you know, rather than just having things tucked away in a cupboard in shelves and the doors shut, it might be that that child needs something that's more open shelving, more colourful, more, you know, easier to, for them to sort of access and see with maybe the label being, you know, pictures rather than words. And that it's really about sort of looking at playing to their strengths and the things that might encourage them to do that. But equally, I would imagine, you know, helping them have a space that feels more relevant to them so that it is their space, having things in their room that makes it feel like home and making it feel like their safe place. And, you know, that for me is what I always go back to of home and our rooms as individuals. So children, especially, you know, should represent what is important to them. It should be their place that when their worries build up that they can go to and it's their, you know, comfort blanket as such, you know, it makes yeah. you feel better. Mm. So I think, you know, for those children is really about thinking about their space, making sure that they have, you know, even if they share a bedroom, that they have got a space that is their own and that is set to how they would want it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so child-centred. And I also really love the way you put that of, rather than concerning yourself with what they can't do or what they struggle with, you focus on what they can do and what they love and what's easy for them. And you create the space around those things. Now, of course, I'm going to put all the links for getting in touch with you on the show notes page, and they will also be below this video um, for those who are watching on YouTube. But for people who may not at this stage be ready to take the leap and to work with you personally, um, what would be the one tip that you would say would be even if they're working on their own, this one thing will help. What would that be? Oh, that's a difficult one. One tip, probably start small. So don't give yourself such a big goal that you, you know, are going to struggle to achieve it and just start small. Start with that one piece of your kitchen worktop or the shelf that always falls out on top of you when you try and get something out or your underwear drawer or something that's not very emotive that's quite straightforward type stuff to go through and look at how you can make that work better for you and help your future self okay I like that a lot it's also you know thinking about the underwear drawer as an example every time you open it after you've done that so every single day you'd get a little reminder of a little win yeah which is a bit like the opposite of my sock fluff on the on the carpet it's A little visual reminder that says, yes, yay me. I, I often talk about like building your, your organizing muscles. You know, if you start the same way as when you're getting fit, you know, if you start small and you think, oh, well, you know, I sorted the cutlery drawer today. And, and then when you go and get the cutlery for dinner, you're like, oh, I can just get that out. Or I can ask the children to get it because it's all, you know, it's, it's easy to get. And then you think, oh, actually, I'm going to do the larder tomorrow or I'm going to start you know I'm going to go through my shoes or something like that and gradually you kind of get more confident and think actually I can do this you know or you know it's getting a bit better and that just builds you know builds your organizing muscles but builds your confidence in you Mm. and the knowledge that you can make change that you can do it absolutely which is great great advice and a perfect place to start 
Uh, Louise, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure talking to you and really helpful advice on the kinds of things that we can do in an environment that I think just buoy us up, give us, give us that sense of feeling in control, which ultimately is so necessary for everything else that we're trying to do with our big lives that are full of everything right now. And uh, I guess with us all being at home pretty much all the time, more yeah. important than ever um, to really make that space feel good. So thank you for all your advice. It's been really, really helpful and such a pleasure talking to you. Lovely. Thanks for having me. I really enjoyed that conversation with Louise because the tips she's sharing and the things she talks about are such practical things. And I think sometimes in terms of mental well-being and managing stress, we're so busy getting stuck in our heads and trying to find the limiting beliefs and the different things that we feel like we have to kind of scrounge around in our heads for. But this is so practical and so visual and so immediate that it's a fantastic place to start, particularly if you feel sometimes anxious or sometimes depressed and you need a way to begin to feel better. This is a wonderful first step because it's so immediate and so visual. I hope this episode has given you some great ideas for your own home and your own space. And I hope you'll enjoy putting them into practice. If you know anyone who would benefit from hearing this episode or watching the video, then please do share the links and maybe put a personal message in so that again, we can pass on all the lessons that we're learning and share them with those we love. And in the meantime, thanks for watching. Thanks for listening.